What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Follow That Fear podcast. This is a show dedicated to empowering you to follow that fear, pursue what is calling you, and take it one step at a time. My name is Catalina, but you can call me Cat or Cat Del Carmen on Instagram, and I am the host of this show. I am so excited for today's episode, but before we get into that, I want to remind you that if you have listened to any episode on the Follow That Fear podcast that has influenced you in absolutely any way, if it's motivated you to go towards something, if it helped you make a decision, whatever it is, it would mean so much to me if you can screenshot what you are listening to and share it on your favorite social media channel, IG stories, because this is how podcasts grow. We don't have an algorithm to help us. This is just one effort at a time. So I would so appreciate it if you have you know good things to say about the podcast. So today I want to introduce to you Mariela Delamora. Mariela is a business and leadership coach helping high achieving women grow purpose driven brands and become leaders in their industries. She has helped so many women identify their zone of genius and truly become the CEOs of their companies. She is just badass all around. On top of that, she has had 15 years of experience helping multi-billion dollar companies and startups build profitable brands while recruiting and growing leading award-winning marketing teams. She She's just badass. I got to be real with you guys. And on top of that, on top of that, she is a single mother raising a beautiful girl. I am just so excited for you to hear her story because she is a woman I really look up to. She is someone I'm so honored to have on the show and I know you guys are going to appreciate this episode. I ain't going to lie, okay? It's a long one, but we just had such a good conversation and I want you to hear all about how she, not only does she share her story, but she helps us understand why it's so important for us to extract the stories that are weaved within our life and how to present them in our business. Without further ado, here is the episode. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Mariela. Like, I so appreciate you. I adore you. We met on Instagram and I feel like we instantly connected. So thank you. Let's start today by um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you're at. I know you have um, an amazing story and career and experience. You're just a badass woman. So tell us um, a little bit about you, um, what you do, how you got there. Yes. So now I am currently a marketing and business coach for female online entrepreneurs, and I focus on helping them to build a purpose-driven brand. So these are brands that have a really strong why, a really strong mission, um, and that they really want their personal story to be really integrated into what they do. And there's a reason why that is important to me, which I'll tell you when I kind of tell you a bit about my story, because I would say that I'm like, this, I can be the self-proclaimed queen of pivoting so many lifetimes in one. And because your podcast is Follow That Fear, <laughs> let me tell you a lot of fears that I followed to get here. I spent probably the first, all my 20s doing the stuff that you're supposed to do. So I'm a daughter of Mexican immigrants. 
their dream is for their kids to go to college, get a good job, 401k, save money, you know, buy a house, all those things. I did all those things and got to age 30 making six figures, which was my goal. But I was in a really unhealthy marriage. It was my boyfriend from high school. We were together for 13 years. Um, I was really bored to tears at my job. It was marketing for a health insurance company. I basically kind of built this life that was not a lie, but it just, I was not happy and I was in a really unhealthy relationship. And so One day, I feel like I just woke up one day and was just like, okay, well, what can I change? If I can't change everything about my life, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in shape. And so that was the one thing I can control. So I lost 42 pounds in one year. And eventually after that, I was like, I love myself a little more. And I think there's more here and I'm not going to take what I've been accepting in the past. And so I started to look at my marriage differently. And so I'm going to get a little personal here, but like basically there was infidelity like throughout the dating portion. And when we got married, when I was 29, I thought it was just going to stop and it didn't. And so the first instance that I found it again, I loved myself enough for it not to even be an argument where I was like, cool, that night packed my stuff, moved back into my mom's house, told him he needed to get his stuff. And that was the beginning of me being like, okay, now I'm out of this marriage, 13 years, never have dated anybody else. Um, and after that, I was like, I want to go to San Diego. Wow. <laughs> I, I have friends there. I'm going to move there. And I moved out of our place, moved to San Diego, literally almost on a whim. I'm like, I almost feel like I need to stop there because there were so many things where I was like, I built a life for what I thought other people expected of me. And what do you do when that is such a big change? It seems almost like unfathomable as you start with like, what is in front of you that you can change right now? And so that's one part, but I almost feel like I need to stop there because there's so much to the story that that was like just the beginning. Was this before your daughter? Yep. Wow. I, I got married again wow. to my daughter's father. Um. So this was all, okay. this was all like my high school sweetheart, like relationship. Um, and all of this was like the, the dismantling and rebuilding took many years. And I would say in many ways, like I am where I always wanted to be, but I just didn't really know what that looked like back, back then. And so after I moved to San Diego and then, you know, kind of lived the single life for a while, then realized like, okay, I'm still not happy in this job. So I planned my, I saved my money for a bit and then eventually was like, I just feel like I want to go to London. Like, I don't know why, but I went there on my honeymoon to my ex-husband and I bought a one-way ticket and I got an Airbnb for a month and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I'm going to go to France. I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to Italy after this, but I spent a month in London and somehow I fell into a gig as an underground hip hop journalist (laughs) in London, which seems almost so crazy, but what? Yes. Because I had friends in LA who were part of a company called the Cypher Effect and all they did was kind of like, it was underground hip hop, um, like artists that they would do their marketing and their music videos and they were LA based. So some of the crew was in San Diego where I lived and they're like, we know this really dope female rap group in London. Um, would you want to like work for us and kind of cover some events while you're there? We heard you're going to London anyway. So basically instead of it being like my solo trip of not having a plan anyway, I just filled it in with that. And I learned how to be a videographer. I covered different events. I met so many UK hip hop artists and that is how I met my daughter's father (laughs) who was at an event that I went to. And he also was a rapper. And so that is how I met him. We 
fell in love, dated long distance, got married, and then I moved to London, which was the next chapter. Wow. So left everything, went to London. You were not yes. kidding about having many lives. Yes, it's chapters. And, and every time I just knew the next step. And you don't know what it's going to look like. I just knew that I needed to follow follow that fear. Like I needed to follow what felt like what was right at the time and not really worry so much about how it was going to work out because it wasn't going to be a disaster. You know, like no matter what, I knew I was going to be fine. But that's what I did is I just kept taking that next step of where I felt pulled to go. Did you ever struggle with, because I've gotten this question a couple times from my audience of, the difference between like fear of a bad mm-hmm. idea, like, uh, like some fear of like, no, nah, that's probably not a good idea. And then fear of like, no, you're just scared to do it, but you actually yes. want to do And that. I love this question because that was a hard question to answer for a while, <laughs> to be honest, to articulate it. But what I would ask myself, and actually a friend asked me this question when I was considering quitting my job. And he said, looking back, let's pretend that the fear that you want to follow is going to turn out terribly and it's not going to turn out the way that you thought. Would you regret it? And I was like, well, no, because I could just go get another job. Like, it's fine. And he's like, would you regret not doing it? And I was like, yeah, I would look back and wonder, like, what if, what if I did that? And he's like, well, there's your answer. And so sometimes it's that. It's that if you follow it, you can't follow it thinking it's going to turn out perfectly because there's going to be unexpected things, but you kind of have to embrace that along the way and say that even when that probably happens, it's okay because it's not the end of the world. You have faith in you that you will figure it out and that the point of life is not to meticulously plan out every step and make sure it goes perfectly. That's not the point. And so I think that that is the main thing. That is so, (laughs) so true and so, so good. I feel like we're not even, we're just like a couple minutes in. (laughs) And um, I think that's just a huge lesson for my audience and for myself, you know, like I think when we want to, whether it's in life or business, like there's so many times where we want to do something And we think we need to like plan it all out to be quote unquote ready. And it's just BS because there's absolutely nothing, no guarantee that things are going to go your way. Even when you have a meticulous plan kind of doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And the thing is, is that even when you create a plan and you follow it, sometimes that's what you actually are destined for is so much greater than what you could ever imagine. Because I would have never dreamt this for myself. I never would have dreamt any of those things for myself because I couldn't see them. So you can't say that this beautiful step 10 is there when you can't see all the steps. You can only see the first one. So it's just like letting go of the idea that failure is bad because there isn't really failure. It's just lessons. Like there are a lot of things that I would look back and go, oh, okay, I could have done that differently, but I don't know that I would have done them differently, to be honest, because I think it was all necessary. No, for sure. For sure. So how did you, how did your life pivot again, I guess, into yes. life coaching, your career change, your marriage changed, you got a baby, like yes. so much change. So sometimes you choose the pivots and sometimes they happen. And so I 
in my time in London, um, I took the role that I just left. Basically, I was there for five years, um, and I've just gone full-time in my business as of a few months ago. So I was head of marketing for a pretty large recruitment agency, um, kind of built that, started a dating app also at the same time with a friend of mine. So I was working really long hours and was with my husband. And, you know, we tried to have we tried to have baby for a while. And then by the time I had the positive pregnancy test, he had already basically ended it. And like out of respect, because this is my daughter's father, like I don't really ever tell that story, but like he had ended it. And so I never got to uh, have that moment of like, we're having a baby. We're both so excited. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, am I going to be a single mom or am I not? Yeah. Or what am I going to do? And so I was obviously devastated because I didn't see that coming. Um, and I thought, you know, we, we'd been married a year. And so I basically had to decide at that point, like, okay, I have to ask my parents, like, what do I do? Do I move back to America? Do I stay here and have a baby by myself? And so decided that I'm going to move back to America. Um, I'm going to move in with my parents. They're going to help me because I can't go find a job pregnant. Um, I also am not going to earn money for a while because I was working for British companies. So yeah. like, you can come here and earn maternity leave or whatever. And so I just decided like, okay, I'm going to raise her here with my parents' help. And um, basically, yeah, that's what I did. I moved back when I was six months pregnant, finished up like all of my important stuff, my launch wow. and all of that, and then had her here. And I had to kind of deal with mourning or grieving the end of this relationship of someone who I was super in love with. And then mm-hmm. having my daughter and knowing he was in another relationship for a time and it was mm-hmm. just like a really hard time, but <sighs> worked really hard together to make that work. And ever since she was born, he sees her once or twice a day. She knows him. He comes vis- he comes to visit her. You know, he helps to support, you know, he sends financial, like all of that stuff. So it's out of that situation, we learned how to, I can't necessarily say co-parent because co-parenting happens in person, but at least yeah. for us to heal that relationship as parents for her and put her in the center of our lives. And so now we honestly, I can say we have like the best relationship we've ever had and we're able to model that for her. And I've been able to heal while still going through the divorce and raising her and all of that. And so that's what brought me to be here, but also that's part of why I didn't go back to leaving my job and just finding another corporate job. I almost did that. I was like, interviewing. Girl, girl, I'm literally about to tear up. (laughs) And I I just, I was raised by a single mom Mm -hmm. and girl, I'm sorry. I just, I I was raised by a single mom. So I just have an immense respect for you. Um, um here's the thing one I want to thank you for sharing that story because I know there are single mom in my life who are in the thick of it and I know you like breezed by that story and like you know said it was like this is what happened this is what happened this is what happened but like when you are actually in the thick of it I could not even oh yeah not even imagine um, just the kind of, uh, weight you're holding from everything in your life, uh, everything you had worked so hard for, like what an amazing career you had built for yourself. What an amazing, like 
you know, and I could have, I could just imagine, I could just imagine what it could have felt like to be, you know, in that moment. So thank you for sharing that. That's so generous of you to share that story. And I want every single mom to listen to this because I know they can relate. So I just commend you for being such an amazing mom and for taking big risks and carrying such a load. You are amazing woman. <laughs> Thank you. I, I obviously, I think that this was something that I sat with for a really long time because I never wanted to talk about, I'd say in particular, I talk about 2016 as being like the year of, you know, like everything burnt down and I had to like, start yeah. over. and I never wanted to talk about it from a place of not being healed because I didn't want to use the story as like a way of validating my pain or experience or anything. And so I've just gone through four months of reparenting and so I really um, am able to kind of understand how I chose the relationships that I did. Why, you know, did I repeat these certain patterns and really take ownership and not say like, nothing, none of these things like happened to me. These were just the choices that I made in the sort of relationships I ended up with. And like, no, like disrespect or anything. It's just that we weren't, you know, neither of us should have been in a relationship, um, to be honest. And I think I'm in such a different place now that I can come from, a place of like healing and compassion for him as a person. And even for me as the person that I was back then, who was really so desperately trying to fix another person and heal them and be the person that healed them. And I think that is why I was drawn to people who I saw needed healing and, uh, and to be uplifted. And so I think that now I can say this and say that like, I can leave that part intentionally vague and that could be a conversation that they have one day, you know, when she's older, but it was the hardest year of like, it was literally the hardest time of my life. Cause I'm like, here's our house and here's our condo that we got. And like coming back to it and seeing that, like that second bedroom that was supposed to be the nursery yeah. like, was never going to be the nursery. And now, you know, I was so proud to be independent from when I was 19 and then have to move mm -hmm. back in with my parents and be like, I either am going to go live somewhere cheaper in America, be by myself, or I can be with my parents and just, you know, suck it up and be so glad that they helped me. And it was the best decision. And I'm so grateful for them because there was a time where I was like, I don't think I can do this. This is not the way that I planned it. I always wanted to have, I always wanted to be a mom, always, 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 but not this way. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I didn't also want any animosity or anything for her to ever experience that or see that because I want her to just like have a good relationship with him and like love him and not to tarnish that. And so it was honestly the healing, the healing journey happened really like at the same time as me starting my business online because it really triggered a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I feel like now I can definitely say like, I know I made the right choice and not going to work for a tech startup because I was right there. Like I turned down an offer for our 180k plus like benefits extra stuff you know it was like almost 200 grand including everything wow and part of me was like you're crazy like you're saying yeah. no to 200 grand and you yeah, have a who daughter, does that but in the bay i'm like 200 grand doesn't get you that far not when you're not when daycare is two you know two grand a month so yeah yeah part of me was like do i want to be on a shuttle going to menlo park to go work at facebook and see my mm -hmm. daughter to maybe put her to bed every day because I don't have somebody to do drop-offs and pickups with me. It's me. And so I really was like, again, had to ask myself, is this for other people or is this for me? Is this to look successful because I, I work at one of these big name companies and I have this fancy job title again? 
or what do I really want? And so I let go of that and I said no to the offer. I pulled myself out of like interview processes at different companies and was like, I don't really know what I want to do. But I just started this journey of like figuring out that online coaching was even a thing and saying, I have so much experience. Like I've built my freaking marketing team in London. Like I have 15 years of marketing experience. I've been a mentor. I can, you know, there's so much that I can bring to the table. But at the same time, knowing that financially I was going to give up that security, at least at first, because when you're working for yourself, you don't have like benefits. You know what I mean? So I'm still there. I'm still building that up. But I said, I'm not going to do it to rush it to try to make a bunch of money. I'm choosing this because I want to do this because I want to help women to be able to create their own paths and have a purpose. Because my purpose here is that my purpose here is for other women to be able to monetize what it is that they love and to amplify their voices. And that's why I infuse mindset into what I do because um, and what I help my clients with, because that's what I needed you know, I needed that back then. So it's just everything led me here. And I'm glad that I did it because now I get to spend time with her. Like I'm not commuting. I'm not, you know, an absent, which is it's no disrespect. Like any, you do whatever you need to do, but I would have been absent mostly in her life. I would have had to have paid somebody yeah. to take care of her and, and just gave her a bath and put her to bed every day. And I know that like, I'm like single moms, if that's what you got to do, you do what you have to do. I realize it is a massive luxury for me to have made that choice. And I fully, fully own that. It is a luxury for me to have chosen this path. Um, but I'm doing it also because I want to make it easier for other women to have something, whether it's on the side or whatever it is that they want to monetize, because I want you to have options, you know? Yeah. And so that is the pivot, the pivot, the pivot, the pivot that ultimately like yeah. to, to doing this. And yeah, <laughs> it makes, you know, it makes so much sense. Cause I mean, I, y'all listening to this, like I'm learning about Mariela right now. Like I know just bits and pieces of her story and it's, to me, it makes so much sense because you're so wise just when you, when I talk to you, like you have so much wisdom and like it comes, you're a very natural coach. Um, and it just makes so much sense because you've just relived like so, so like, lived much so many, like a cat. Yeah, um, yeah. So many different lives. And I just, uh, I just <laughs> still commend you so much. Um, you're such an amazing mother and like the sacrifices and the things that it's so hard. Like it is so hard. And, ah, uh, this is, I just love the story. This is why it's important because I know that many of us are sitting on these powerful stories. And to be honest, I'm still struggling to weave in my story into what I do because so many parts of it are very personal. And so I really struggled for a long time of like, how do I weave in who I am and what I've done with what I do? And I felt like, oh, the people want marketing and they want strategy and they want ROI and they do. But also this is important as well. So I'm also finding what I'm teaching. I'm practicing it right now as well in telling my story and how do you extract your story and make it part of what you do and why you do things differently. So not just your story and what you do, it's kind of like, because I've lived this life, this is why my service reflects this. Because I've gone through this, this is why I serve my clients in this way. You can integrate it. And that's what I'm starting to do now. I know a lot of what you do, and you already mentioned this, but you help other coaches, entrepreneurs, people in the digital space create these purpose-driven businesses, right? Because a lot of people want to start a business 
Um, and I'm, I'm like this with my audience too. Like I'm constantly telling, and I'm so early in my kind of entrepreneurial career, but what I'm doing is just sharing my journey with, through my podcast and my listeners are like literally right with me, you know, like we're like together on this journey. And I, I always tell my audience, like it's, you can make money a lot of ways. You want to make money, go start investing, go start trading stocks on a regular, like you can make money other ways, but the people who really want to be coaches in their heart, they is, they want to help people, but it's hard to find that focus. Right. So with you and your clients, how, how do you kind of start that process of creating something purpose-driven versus just like money? Right. Yeah. And so I think firstly that I attract women who are more about um, making an impact more so than money because it depends on how you market yourself. So there's a lot of coaches that talk about how much money they make and that's how they lead. And so then they attract people who are like, well, I want to make this amount of money too. And it's not to say that you don't make money doing it my way because you do. (laughs) However, that's not what I lead with. And so usually the women that I work with already, like they know what they want, but most of the time they are having a hard time articulating why they're different from anybody else, why and in, in integrating themselves into their business as well. So in a way, they'll kind of talk about what they do. And I'm like, okay, I know you and I know what you do. And this does not do you justice. How you just described your service, you do so much more than that. Let's draw that out of you. So I think part of the struggle is like, they know, but they just have a hard time positioning themselves as being different and integrating who they are into what they do. And that's what I help to do. So I have like a process of like extracting things that really make them dig deep. It actually takes them a few days and they do this before our first call and they'll come to me and they're just like, I'm really, I'm really struggling with some of these, but they're really good questions. And then it's kind of my job to be that mirror to say, I know this about you. You told me this about you. Also, I see you're really good at this. And I'm that person that's like, I'm going to help you recognize the things that you're really good at because we sometimes don't see it ourselves. And not all coaches will do that, to be honest. I just really love that because that's the mentorship aspect of, of, you know, integrating, which is what I've done with my teams. So I think that in that way, I'm able to not only draw those stories out, but like help them recognize their strengths and really lead with that and help them tell stories effectively, but also say, because of that, how should your product or service reflect that? Why? Like, don't just have it be separate, do it differently. Or sometimes they are already doing it differently. That's what helps you stand out in a space that's very saturated. And that's what I mean about the purpose-driven brand is that you could believe in a cause or you have a certain why, but it's like, but how does that integrate into what, how you actually do things differently? So that's what I help them do and market around that. That's so true. And so good. So for the person who's like, I, I know what my purpose is. Do you see any common blocks that people have that are not serving them that like any, any common ones, I guess, from the women that you have worked with? Um, I think probably one of the common ones is probably that there's a disconnect between what they think people want and what they want to do. And there's almost like this idea about what are people willing to pay money for versus what, how do I actually want to help them? There's actually one client in particular who we're having this conversation now. And we're actually like journal prompting and digging deep and being like, what were you praised for as a child? Like, how does your parents define success? Because sometimes it is in that, especially because I work with women who I would say are high achieving, meaning like we go for it, you know, like we, we take chances or we came from corporate, whatever. 
And so sometimes understanding that like the only reason why we're telling ourselves that is because, and I had to struggle with this myself, is because we convinced ourselves that certain things are valuable and certain things are not, or that helping people isn't, isn't valuable or people don't want to pay for it, but helping them make money is valuable. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pick because sometimes helping them internally or helping them take out their story is going to help them make money, but you don't want to necessarily lead with that. So that's a very big disconnect. A lot of times is, you know, what success was modeled as is in your household or what you were praised for is generally, things like that, like getting it right, right and wrong, succeeding, getting the gold star, or if you came from corporate, like helping somebody make money. And then you're like, well, I just want to help people, but like nobody wants this, you know? And it's like, well, how do you mesh that together? So yeah. that's, I say, probably no. one of the biggest things. That's so good. That's so <laughs> good. And I still relate to that too, because I'm always like, you know, and this is actually good kind of transition because um, and we have talked about this a little bit. I've, in my journey, I've struggled because I'm like, okay, I, I have a lot of my skills are very like motivational and, and inspirational. And like, I really speak, like I basically help people believe in themselves. And that if, if I'm good at anything in this world, I can make anybody really believe like, oh shoot, maybe I can do that. And that is, that is my gift, which is like beautiful and great. And I'm, you know, I'm finally at a place where I'm like, okay, this is a gift. Like I should own that gift. But now I'm like, but who's going to pay for that? (laughs) You know? Well, yeah. Uh, And yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, is that that doesn't necessarily mean like you don't maybe tie in an element of like, what will it allow them to do? Because that's the bridge that I help them build is to say, now you've done this. What is that going to allow them to do? Or what is the lack of that stopping them from doing? And you can help them build the bridge to that. So it's like now that you've made them believe, then maybe now you help them with that bit that kind of like helps send them on their way. So it's like you can you can infuse both, but lead with that heart-based, you know, bit because that is your superpower, you know? No, for sure. For sure. Okay. I want to get into a little bit of the conversation that we were having in our DMs. I think we both were talking about, well, right now, June 15th, George Floyd was murdered by the cops at the end of May. I believe it was May 25th. Um, and it really has been a revolutionary a couple weeks. Right now, there's a lot going on in the world. And uh, Mariela and I have had some conversations in our DMs, just talking about being one women of color. And we've talked about this before. Anyway, we have been learning so much um, and listening so much to black women and men uh, who we just need to learn from all the time, right? Because of systemic racism and our country and the way it was built. But I think it's also exposed us and in, in our conversations of like, where can we show up just authentically, like, like digging deep to be ourselves, right? Yeah, definitely. And finding our place in this, you know, because I think that that's one thing as as non-Black women of color, and have so many conversations around this, that we're in this unique intersection, I would say. Um, And I say that during the first week of June, when it was, you know, we're amplifying Black voices and, you know, we are here to amplify their voices and and support and also look internally, right? So I think that week in particular, we fully like stepped outside of maybe any way we were being triggered on our experiences as women of color and being like, 
let me listen and let me learn and let me look internally. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that came up from all of us during that time was actually recognizing that we had privilege because we're not black women. We're not, you know, we, we are in a way where we're almost like palatable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we don't get necessarily like get the cops called on us. We don't have to have conversations with our children to say, you know, to the same extent of being like, this is how you don't get shot by the cops. Like the fact that that is a conversation that they have to have with their children is just like, I had to step outside of myself and be like, my daughter's mixed race, right? She's Gambian, English and Mexican. I don't need to, it's, it's just unfathomable to me. And I think I really sat in that and was like, I thought I was exempt from having these conversations. I thought I was exempt from looking internally because I went to school with nothing but black, black and brown kids. That's it. Like we grew up with hip hop culture. I grew up speaking um, AAVE, African American Vernacular English, because I didn't know English until I was six and I learned it in school from my friends. So I was just like, oh no, but I'm, you know, I understand. And the reality is like, no, because I never really had these deep conversations with my friends about this. And so it was so eye opening where I was like, whoa, let me, let me take a step back and actually check myself and see how I can actually be a better person, to be a better ally. Completely feel you. I feel like Tamir Rice, uh, I forget what year it was, but Tamir Rice was one, uh, a boy, a 12-year-old boy who was murdered by the cops. And at that time, my nephew, who is half Black, who was living with us, we had taken him in at 11 years old. And I remember that was the first time that, like, there is a huge problem in this country. Like this little boy, and there's video of this little boy. He was playing with a, like a toy gun. But the thing is the moments before the cops got there, you could see him playing the same way my nephew was playing. And I remember watching this video and that was kind of the first time I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this, I was just in tears. And I think about Tamir Rice a lot. Um, Every time we hear another story, I think of him. Anyways, so that broke my heart. So, you know, since then, I've I felt like I was always so aware. And I was like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, like every time. But I think what really has helped me during this time is like, okay, Kat, like, they're like, that's good. You're aware, you know, like, but to be completely honest, you need to learn a lot more. You need, like, what can actions can we take to actually uh, dismantle, I mean, white supremacy? And how can I use the privileges that I have um, to help that? And for me, I really, it helped me really look at myself in the mirror and be like, okay, Kat, I should be looking in every single environment I'm in and I should be actively, actively speaking out we need more voices. We need more black voices. And I have a responsibility. And I think that's what I've learned so much in the last weeks is like, no, it is my responsibility, even as a woman of color, who's not black, like I'm not white, but I got light skin and I have privilege and owning that to like a bigger degree, because it's, it's just freaking time, right? Yeah, it had to the pendulum had to swing, you know, to the extent that I think the pendulum swung to the extent that like it was in our face 
all the time. Like you cannot deny that this is happening. This is not happening everywhere all the time. It is not an isolated incident. And I think that for the first time, at least it felt to me that white people finally were like, this is everybody's problem. This is not a black person problem. This is not a person of color problem. This is a worldwide problem and we are all going to get involved. And it it requires that for the pendulum to swing also because there is even more privilege there. Their their voices are, you know, heard more and I know that, you know, I've also kind of heard like we don't necessarily need them to, you know, save us, but it's just we need enough people to really realize that it is a worldwide problem. And so I think that that is what we started to see. It was like an awakening. It really felt like that. And and you just saw everybody awaken to things that they were asleep about or conveniently not paying attention to or whatever that was um, for that time. And that was necessary. And it's necessary for it to continue. Yeah, for sure. And I also just, I don't know, I think it's so important. And we talked about this just in terms of authenticity. Like, this is... Like, I think it would also help me understand, like, look, we got to show up, like, gone are the days of us trying to hide our stories, just listening to all the stories of, like, Black men and women. And I realized that I was also, like, you know, fitting into this box. And I I, I mostly think about work, right, in nine to fives. And I know you have a long history um, in especially tech companies, which we relate to there, where like y'all at tech companies, there are like leaders uh, and people with diversity inclusion titles for years and nothing changes. So like, this is where I really just was like, you know what we, I have like me showing up as myself and being an ally at work is like what I'm required to do, at least for myself. Like I have to do this now. And we got to do that work and white folks got a lot of work to do. Um, and that is the truth, but I, I'm ready to just own my own privilege and use it more aggressively, like use it and just trying to be more vocal. Yeah. And that might even mean like asking hard questions, you know what I'm saying? Or calling out like, how come, you know, I've just noticed like there aren't any people of color or I'm the only person of color. That means even if you are the only person of color, that is a problem as well. And, you know, that's one thing I've realized in corporate, corporate America, or even when I was in Britain is like, I was the only person of color. And so sometimes I'm just like, well, that's cool for me, but that's not good enough. Especially when, you know, I was part of companies where the consumers were primarily people of color. And I'm just like, there's a problem here. There's a huge disparity. And there were definitely instances I can say for sure, where I either noticed it and didn't say anything or... You know, even if it was like someone I knew and they were making a passive comment where I was just like, I don't want to get in an argument or whatever that now I'm I'm actually bringing up and it's super uncomfortable, but it's necessary work to call it out when you see it, you know, and, and to use your voice. And if you are invited to a room that black people are not invited into, if you, I literally was sometimes, like I said, the only person of color, then it's my responsibility too. And you actually mentioned this earlier when you were saying like, it's been hard for you to thread your own story within your business. And I think um, right now is a time that like our audience can like, they like just need authenticity. And thinking about something as you're saying this, because telling your story as telling stories related to what shaped you as a woman of color is important 
because I think that oftentimes we don't talk about those experiences because we don't think that number one, maybe we're not sure how to tell it, or number two, we don't think that it matters. But I could give you like examples. Um, and in fact, I think you might have reached out to me like on Instagram because I actually talked about my daughter of an immigrant post, but there were so many conversations that started off of that where you don't think that that's related, but it's absolutely related. Um, and the reason that this matters, even in you positioning yourself differently is, is the fact that people are going to resonate. So, um, I think I did a post about, um, I felt selfish for wanting more because I was a daughter of an immigrant, you know, daughter of immigrants and they worked in the fields. My grandfather told me the story before he died about um, earning 50 cents an hour, seven days a week. He picked fruits and vegetables and he would get in trouble for eating too many of the strawberries. He told me this. And like he worked in dairy farms and he did this for 25 years. There was a program back then that would allow um, field workers to eventually get you know, visas and stuff for their families to come to the United States. So 25 years that he did this. And I grew up really close to that immigration story because I was one of the oldest out of all of my cousins. And so my grandparents took care of me, helped to take care of me. And so I remember struggling and being like, how dare I want more, you know, because this is where I came from. Like all my parents wanted was literally just like stability and food and a house, you know, and here I am like quitting or, or saying no to these offers. And so that is an, that is a, a unique story that has to do with me being a woman of color, that has to do with me being an immigrant, where you would think, what does that have to do with me being a coach. But what wound up happening was a lot of women raised their hand and was like, you know, I've actually struggled with the same guilt as well. Maybe this is why I've been holding myself back and playing small because somehow I feel like I don't deserve this. And that is just an example where you can tell a story that's unique to you being a woman of color. It could be an experience that you had. I've talked about like I had a boss at 19 who told me like, I won't, I can't promote you because you need to lose the street from your voice. We're not going to put you on the phones. And that was the thing that shaped me. And I told that story and a lot of people raised their hand and was like, oh my God. So like, I felt the same way. And so there are things that you don't think are related to what you do, but tell them anyway, because guaranteed there's going to be somebody who is going to see themselves in you and feel more empowered to show up as more of themselves. And that's important. And you will attract from there as well. That's not why you do it, but you will attract from that place of authenticity as well by sharing those stories that you think have nothing to do with your business or nothing to do with your brand, but they no, absolutely do. No, that's so, so true. You know, that's so funny you said that because I used to get two different jobs, two different jobs. One person was like, oh, well, you know, we were talking about like the roles we play within our job. And this is like when I was in retail, um, but still I was two different jobs. People were like, oh, you're the ghetto one. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not even ghetto. Okay. And if you want me to fucking get ghetto, <laughs> you know, and I think about from what you just said, like when I record my episodes for my podcast, um, I the episodes that I have more of the harder time um, recording, for example, like, like what basically when I don't plan out my content as well, and let's say there's like one week that I like don't have a strict plan, I was like, struggling to say the right words to my audience. And I was like, Oh, what, what do I teach them? What do I want to share? Da, da, da. And it just felt very forced. So I decided to just share the truth and, and just be a hundred percent real where I just, I, I, I think I might've told you this, maybe not, but I close my eyes and I really think about one specific person I'm talking to. 
And those are the episodes that I get more traction on. Those are the episodes that get reshared. Those are the episodes that help spread um, like the word about my podcast. And although I feel like I'm, it's honestly the episodes I'm not as proud of, you know, Um, because I didn't do the work and do all these things. But when I'm showing up a hundred percent authentically, I'm like, oh shit, like, okay, I guess this was good. This is the thing is that when you do, people can feel that. Like they can feel when you're like grasping for, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that because I think that when you're interviewing somebody, yes, you have to have some points. But like, I think that there's there's a need for that too because people can tell that you're not scripting it and you're just like speaking from the heart and they connect with you. So there's kind of like the ones where you're like, I was just going on a rant. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then people are like, oh my God, that was so good. You're like, really? But that's good. That means also like you're a good storyteller. You know what I'm saying? And that people can feel your heart. And that is that is absolutely like a superpower. So it's good for you to lean into that. I have one question for you. It's actually about storytelling. How does someone be, become a good storyteller in your eyes? Yeah, I think that there's a couple things. Like I think one of them is, well, you just firstly have to get comfortable with like speaking without having a plan because I think you don't become a good storyteller by strategizing about how to become a good storyteller. <laughs> you just have to you just have to get used to doing it. I think the other part is kind of having an idea of what you want to convey before you start telling. Cause it's like, otherwise you're just, it's kind of like where you ask somebody like, how was your day? And they literally just recount everything that happened with their day. And it's like, I usually always have a thing in my mind of like the last sentence or like the thing that I really want to get across. And I'll usually like lead with that. So I kind of did it accidentally where I was like, wow, like I'm the queen of pivoting. There's so much pivoting that's happened in my life, but it led me to where I am. And then I went through and I didn't realize I did that, but I think I do that now automatically where I'm setting it up so that you know what I'm about to tell you. So you know what to expect. So I'm kind of giving you something to grasp onto. And now I'm telling you and I'm filling in the blanks. And I actually teach this to my clients where um, I ask them like, and this is a little too strategic, but this is sort of like something that I do to help them where I say, what are your values? Like, what are your three strongest like brand values, you know? And so it's like, you might say inclusivity, because I want everybody to feel part of it, empowerment, whatever. And then you think, what three to four stories can you tell about times that you did something, you accomplished something, you overcame a fear, you something. Think about those stories and actually practice, like, how would you tell them? Because you'll probably tell them in your stories, in your content, on a podcast, in a whatever, and you're going to tell those stories. And that's something that I learned even from coming from the recruitment world for five years is that we would train our um, our candidates about before you go into an interview you think about five career stories. So instead of saying, I'm really good at X, Y, Z, you have a story to show how you're really good at that. So sometimes it's just like having these key stories that you pull from that you've practiced already telling, but then you also set it up and then you fill in the blanks. I totally, totally hear you. And what's funny is I just started realizing because lately I'm like, okay, Kat, you need to pull out some specific stories. And not only that, but you, I think you gotta, like you, we gotta reflect because a lot of the time we have all these life lessons, but we don't even know where they came from. So I'm like the other day, actually, I was walking my son, we were taking a walk and I've always been so service 
driven. Like I'm so good at customer service. Like I love customer service. I love, and I realized I worked for Nordstrom for eight years. And when I was 18, I learned about um, servant leadership and I grasped onto that con- to that phrase at such a young age that now being in my thirties, I like, I think about the customer experience so much. Like the first, if I have any idea, like I'm like, oh, I think I should create this. The first thing I think of is, okay, how would this look from a customer's point of view? What button will they have to click on? What things, like how can I make it easier for them? How can I make, like what if they're on their phone using this? And and I realized, Kat, you have to share your Nordstrom story because that is where learned your customer service. Like, and I, I, I owe a lot to that company and I love that company because they helped me grow up professionally and really be, you know? So anyways, like I was like, yeah. And they'll remember that story. Like people will remember the story. You're 22 times. I'm going to say it again. You're 22 times more memorable when telling a story than reciting facts. So whatever you want people to remember about you, what story can you tell about that? Cause I'm going to remember that, that, you know, Nordstrom story. And then I go, Oh, that makes so much sense because that can fall into place. That's a benefit. If you're a coach, it's a benefit. If you're a marketer, all of those things, that's a superpower. And that's not something you can pick up a book and read about. You have to have like have the experience. So yeah. 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 So we got to like, we got to look at our life and say, okay, let's look at our life and really pick out some lessons instead of trying to figure it out all the time. Cause in the moment it's going to be hard. You got to like about it. Exactly. In the moment you're going to grasp the word. And then sometimes you're like, why am I even telling the story? And it's like, there's a reason you're telling the story. And if you know that reason and you've practiced telling the story, you're going to become so good at telling it and people are going to remember you and you'll never have to convince anybody of anything. Right. But they're going to remember that thing about you that, well, I believe her that she's, you know, she's focused on customer experience because she was super passionate. And also she told the story. So we all have, you know, let's say if you want to pick out like what are five stories that you want to tell about what shaped you, especially when it comes to like your business, you're like, what do I want my people to know about me? And what stories can you tell around that? A hundred percent. That is so, so good. Okay. I have one more question for you because we are getting to time. Um, I ask this to every uh, single guest, what fear, which this is going to be like a good one for you because I feel like you're just a pro at following your fears, but what fear are you following this crazy ass year? Oh man, I'm like, it's so funny because if we had recorded this even like a week ago, I wouldn't have even said this because I wasn't fully set on this, but I'm pretty much already making plans to move to Portland. My baby sister is moving there um, on the 4th of July with her husband. I want to have a better quality of life, which you can't re- – it's very difficult to have as a single mother in San Francisco. Um, it's one of the most expensive cities or if not the most expensive city in the United States. And I just want to have – I've been journaling about my house and the trees and how it's spacious and it's peaceful and – when my sister said that we're moving to Portland, I was like, I really like Portland. And I feel like I would feel better about starting over in a city where I at least had a family member. I just know that this is not the place like my parents are here, but I'm like, I can't do it here. Um, I want to start over and I want to buy a house and I want to have something to give her. So I've already started looking into schools for her. The school that I want her to be in has space. And so we're just, it'll, it's going to probably happen this year, but I've already told myself it's going to happen this year. 
um, maybe within the next few months. But that is, it's scary to me because I'm like, I literally don't know anybody but my sister and her husband, but it's okay. I've moved before. I've started over before and it's for me and my baby girl. So yeah, that is, <laughs> and I'm saying it because I'm like, one day I'm going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, remember when you recorded that before you moved and now you're here. So thank you so much for sharing absolutely everything you shared to us, not only your wisdom, but for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and being so open, like what a gift it is to us um, to have heard that. And I really, really hope that the women who need to hear this show and to hear your story get to listening to it because obviously my tears started flowing early on in this conversation, but um, thank you. You are such a gift. Yes, me too. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for asking me and just being, I feel like this was a safe space for me to tell it. And I'm actually really, really excited to share this. And I want people, I want, this is going to be the one where I'm like, if you guys want to know me and like, and know what's possible for you, listen to this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I had an amazing time having this conversation and I hope you took away a lot from it. Here are some takeaways from my conversations with Mariela. Number one, when you are thinking about following your fear, a good thing to think about would be if you would regret not doing it. If you feel regretful not doing something, that's probably a signal you should do it. Number two, life is going to happen whether you have a plan or not. So do your best, but go with the flow. Number three, if you have a desire to make an impact while making money, you're going to need to recognize the things you're really good at and find your people. Number four, how should your product or business reflect your why? It's so important that we thread in our why into our business. Number five, lead with your strengths. Number six, think about what success was modeled for you when you were young. Reflect on that when you're making business decisions. Number seven, we have our privileges and especially as non-black folks, we have privilege. So it's important to use that privilege to speak out. Number eight, share your story in your business. This will attract the right people to you and your favorite customers. Number nine, people are 22 times more likely to remember you when you tell a story. So let's identify at least five stories for us to use in our business. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening in. If you are interested in working with Mariela and really being serious about becoming the boss you want to be, you can hit her up on her IG at Mariela Delamora. Thank you so, so much for listening in. If you took away anything from this episode, I ask you to please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. This is how the podcast grows. So I really, really appreciate it. Y'all, I do not take your time for granted. So thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. Have a wonderful week. All right. Bye.